Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to the New York Mystery Machine. Last week we had such an incredible episode. It was. It had everything. It had. I mean, literally, it had everything. Mm-hmm. There was aliens. There was the Brooklyn Bridge. There was the East River. There was kidnapping. Abductions galore. There both, was romance. There was abductions of both kinds. Yeah, like alien and and douchebag. Kid, yeah, yeah. There, there was romance. You get everything. Sort you get, of. You, it was a creepy romance. You get a little bit of everything. There was like maybe dads, maybe not dads. If you haven't listened to it, what are you, what are you waiting Don't, for? Yeah, go back. Go, go back. Go listen to that one. And then listen then to this back. one. If you haven't listened to episode one, I don't I even know what you're doing. Yeah, what are you doing? You're doing this out of order. You're doing this out of order. I mean, I know time is a construct. We've learned that this year, but still. But um, I'm so happy to, to, to be back in the studio with you, Christina, recording some more stuff. Um, you know, week one, we spent some time in Manhattan. Last week, we were in Manhattan and Brooklyn. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to take us out to um, Long Island this Ooh. week. Um, and in that Long Island, <laughs> um, we're going to go to the town of Montauk. I love Montauk! Well... Yes, you won't dislike Montauk after this. It's so pretty. We yeah. used to go when I was a kid. It's lovely. Yeah, but it's so interesting because you probably don't know so many of the things that Montauk has 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 brought has brought the world. Has, perhaps. Ooh, okay. This is a doozy of a of a story. It's weird. I first got to 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 learn about this uh, a couple of years ago on my other podcast, The Talkback. Uh, every year I do a, a spooky episode with my friend Christian and we got to talk about it. Love Christian. Cheap plug for the talk back. It's great. Go listen. Listen to the talk back. Christina was on it. In, That's in, true. In year one. Yes. In year one. I'm a. So. I had no end to that <laughs> sentence. I'm, I'm a, a something. I'm a dot dot <laughs> fill in the blank. <laughs> That's going to be our first t-shirt. I'm a, I'm a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Christine, are you familiar with the Netflix show Stranger Things? <gasps> I love. It brings all the things I love together. It brings the paranormal. It brings D&D. I love me some D&D. It's great. Here's a little bit of tidbit. I'm doing this podcast as someone who has talked about how much, you know, they love the paranormal and followed a lot. And yet... Things like staples like Stranger Things I haven't watched yet. Adam. I know. It's really good. I know. I'm going to watch it. It's on my list. It's so good. I have a list of things that like I, I, I've i just missed that I'm going to watch and that's on it. What's not on it is Game of Thrones. Not uh, interested. Uh, I can't do the blood. Anyway. Anyway. Did you know that Stranger Things mm. was not the original title? No. Of course you didn't know. It was actually sold under a working title called Montauk. Oh. Oh. And it was to be set in Montauk. Is Montauk the Upside Down? We'll get there. <laughs> it was supposed to be set uh, there until they decided to change it to that small town, Indiana. And um, the eerie action of season one was going to take place out on Long Island mm. instead. But they changed it. But the idea of a portal to the Upside Down has its roots in an ancient, uh, ancient, has its roots in a conspiracy and an incident that um, theorists believe occurred in Montauk in the year 1983. Why so, is it about the 80s? I know. So we, we'll jump around a little bit. We won't go really past the, the 80s per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so two weeks in a row, folks, you're going to live in the 80s and 90s. I promise that next, the next week you're not going to live in this era. 
It's a good era, though, if you have to live somewhere. Um, Great music. So, again, the idea of the Upside Down has its roots in this incident that occurred in Montauk in 83 and ended in secret experiments that the U.S. military had been conducting on children for four decades. What? Yeah, you didn't see that coming. All right. No one can see my face, but it's very shocked. So ever since the 80s, there have been rumors that the U.S. government had been conducting experiments in psychological warfare in Montauk at either Camp Hero or the Montauk Air Force. Um, Preston B. Nichols legitimized the theory of it when he detailed the supposed events in a series of books. In his book, The Montauk Project's Experiments in Time, published in 1982, Nichols recovered repressed memories about his stint as a subject in a mysterious experiment. Soon, others involved with the Montauk Project came forward to corroborate with some of Nichols' seemingly outlandish claims. So here it is, folks. We're back to the world of, you know, there is some memories, Mm -hmm. and we've we stow them away. I think a lot of the stories you're going to hear on this show um, deal with that because, you know, trauma is real. Yeah. And the things that we we do to our brain. Last week, we spoke a lot about what we do to to, um, to, to what our brain does to protect us. Right. It, it it flags down the things that are closely related to something that may have hurt us or affected us. It's really remarkable when you think it's about kinda it. Crazy. It's kind of crazy. amazing that the brain can do that. So as Nichols and other subjects recovered more of their memories, they began to give numerous interviews about their involvement in experiments involving space, time, and other dimensions, which I love. (laughs) I love a good space-time continuum. Well, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in the multiverse theory. Mm -hmm. I love the multiverse theory that um, we are, are, are just one of many universes that are very identical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about to go on a long tangent. I'm ready. About, well, just like uh, the Mandela effect also has its roots in in the multiverse theory as well. And for those out there who don't know what that is. So basically, um, the Mandela effect is when you remember something very clearly, very vividly, and a majority of people, not just you, remember something or some uh, event, product, as one way and it's never been that way it's Hmm. always been this way um so people the big thing is um people remember nelson mandela dying in jail but he didn't die in jail he died like five years ago right not not in jail so that's why it's called the mandela effect Mm. so many people believe that they're no i remember i remember where i was when i heard he died in jail and it's like but he, but he didn't. He died a couple Ooh. of years ago. So is this the idea then that we have somehow slipped between universes? Yes. Oh, I love so that. So the idea is that um, one theory about it, and again, this this doesn't have that much weight into what we're chatting about today, but a, a little bit. because But I'm really excited. Well, the, dimen- <laughs> the, dimension, the dimensionality yeah. of it, that's not a word, but I'm, I love it. I'm making it. Dimensionality. It does have that. So like in the theory says that there are some times when our where our neighboring multiverse is so close to us, there is a little bit of a uh, convergence mm. and something as the two universes touch, um, things that may are maybe one way and one become that way in the other and they almost like switch. Mm. Um, mm. So, I mean, you can look up the Mandela effect. Some of it, I'm like, yeah, I kind of do remember it that way. For the most of it, I don't remember it. But then again, that's the point of it. 
right. Some of us will remember it one way forever, but then a other portion of us will remember it a separate way. And there's That's a incredible. whole lot of them. I'll post a few of those on the social media. Yes, needs, please. Um, examples of that. Um, so depending on the interview and when it was documented, the scope of what was happening in Montauk is expansive enough to include many other conspiracies. Um, but as of now, the going narrative leading up to the 1983 incident begins during World War II and with much more famous covert military operations. So now we're going to go back in time. In October of 1943, the U.S. military supposedly conducted secret experiments in the naval shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on a quest to discover a way to foil Nazi radar so mm. that they can safely transport supplies to the Allies in Europe. Mm. I know it's a New York podcast. How, I was going to say, what are we doing in Philadelphia? How, yeah, we both have spent some time in Philadelphia. Yes, we have. Much love to our friends in Philadelphia. It's great. Beautiful city. The Navy has never admitted to any of these tests ever taking place because hashtag never they? But according to conspiracy theorists, as far back as 1955, it not only succeeded in uncovering how to make its ships invisible to radar, hmm. but accidentally managed to cause a battleship to travel somewhere. Oh, somewhere in space, somewhere in time, maybe another year, maybe a different dimension, maybe a different universe. According to um, theorists, the tests were successful and the ship went someplace. After the military learned about the negative effects on overexposure to their version of the Upside Down, uh, it shut the project down. Mm. So after the effects that they, they found... The people were, were who were involved in this project were taking, um, they needed to shut it down. I don't. I'm not super familiar with how um, Stranger Things depicted the Upside Down. Um, it was bad. Yeah, and and these you know uh, theories and and quote unquote real life you know accounts, um, everything was very much topsy turvy. Um, mm. It it and it caused um, different like physical ailments. Mm-hmm. Um, between shakes, um, mental, oh, wow. mental um, instability. Mm-hmm. Um, it caused um, dietary issues where people were getting thinner. So it caused a lot of random things to random people right. enough that the government was like, no, we're going to shut this down because we can't keep this quiet for that long. It's mm-hmm. too many people. And this is, this is happening to people who've been exposed because they're the ones doing the experiment? They're doing the experiment. The okay. crew that was involved with, with transporting... Um, these ships and, and making this happen was starting to show signs of what we call the Upside Down. Okay. Um, so now there's a movie based on the Philly events called The Philadelphia Experiment. Oh. Um, if you ever want to see it, you can. Um, and after seeing The Philadelphia Experiment, 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 in 1988, 57-year-old Al Bielek couldn't shake the eerie feeling that he actually seen this someplace before. Hmm. Um, so undergoing various forms of new age therapies, Bialik was able to uncover repressed memories of having worked on the Montauk project in the 70s and the 80s. He worked on it, he thinks. Oh. He also ascertained that his memories had been locked away to keep the experiment secret. So we spoke very much last week about how our brain is doing a lot of work into keeping our secrets and whatnot um, yeah. and keeping our, our memories locked away for our own protection. Right. In this theory, no, someone did that to him. Wow. Like for security reasons, his memories about it were all locked away. Do we know if that, I mean, 
do we know if that's like scientifically possible? Like, has anyone been like, you know what? I think we could probably make that happen. Um, there's theories. Okay. I mean, like, you know, there's theories about how, you know, in science fiction, we've been True. we've been playing with you know wiping people's memories. Yes, Men in Black have the flash. Right, you know I mean, like we've been playing with that. Right, and I always tend to believe that when something's on the movies, it's probably real. Someone got all of the X Files happened. You know I mean, someone got it from someplace, and that many theories about something that cool and how our government acts. Mm. Um, we're gonna make it Truth. happen. Yeah, because like you know, when the world ends, it's because the government's did too much 100 percent. they're gonna be like um they they'll, they'll they'll create a really cool device and then they'll be like um you know i'm not sure what this is gonna do to the world here so, we go um, <laughs> let's turn it on and see and then the world ends that like that's right. how the world's gonna end that scans uh in any case after some of these uh new new age therapies took took hold uh, the memory started to flood back, and he learned that his name wasn't Al Bielek. Oh, all right. He was born Edward Cameron. He also worked on the Philadelphia Experiment with his brother Duncan Cameron, when both men were in their mid-twenties. Huh. A few years later, Al Bielek presented his story to uh, the Mutual UFO Network Conference. Oh, our friends at MUFON. Our friends at MUFON. Um, the Philadelphia experiment was real, he said. He said there was proof having lived out the World War II section of the movie. So he was able to recall everything that happened in that World War II section huh. of the Philadelphia experiment. Um, beat by beat, moment wow. by moment. Um, Biela claimed that sometime in the 1940s, Nikola Tesla figured out how to make the USS Eldridge invisible and the process opened up a time wormhole into the future and stuck the ship in it. Ooh. The Cameron brothers were on board that ship, jumping off the vessel and landing at Montauk's Camp Hero on August 12, 1983. Oh. The military promptly sent them back through the wormhole with the mission. Destroy the equipment on the Eldridge. And according to Bielik, his, the brothers completed the mission, though they didn't stop the government from doing more experiments on building portals to the future. Oh. So, crazy. You know, it's interesting because, so last week we talked about, like, if there are aliens, why don't they just, like, land on the White House lawn and prove it? I feel like the, the counterpart to that is the idea that if there are time travelers, why haven't we met them yet? Why aren't they just showing up everywhere, guys? And here we have that, but it's it's a controlled freak thing in some way. Yeah. Right? And, and, and this theory, we we find that the government has created a way to send something into the future. Um, and it's meant as strategy and, and, mm-hmm. and as all government stra- as You're not going to tell people about it. Right. Um, but yeah, so... During a 1990 speech for uh, the Mutual UFO Network, Bielek described in vague terms how he'd been de-aged, had his memory wiped, and had been forced to live out the rest of his life as Al Bielek. He explained how in the early 1960s, he, Edward, uh, as Edward rather, before mm-hmm. he was Al, had convinced his father to have another child so they could port Duncan's consciousness from 1983 into the sibling born in 1963. Wait. We'll go back and and what? Yes. So let's. I'm gonna say it again. Yes, please. Al explains. In the 1960s, mm-hmm. 
when he was still Edward, before he changed his name right. and went through time, um, he convinced his father to have another child so that they could port Duncan's consciousness from 83 into the sibling born in 63 so that the, the sibling born in 63 would have all the memories of his older self in 83. Not of his older self, of his older his brother. Other, his older brother's self in 83. Why? Bialik referred to this version of Duncan as a, quote, walk-in soul. He also suggested... Oh, walk-ins. He also, do you know much of the walk-ins? Um, I don't... There may be other versions of it, but I, I am familiar with some of the concepts from uh, from the X-Files. They play with it. Basically, they, if I recall, they play with the idea of like the transmigration of the soul of, of spirits just coming in between. Anyway, I don't think we're talking the same thing now that I start talking about it. Yes and no, because in theory, the soul entering a body that isn't... The, in, in theory, when you are created, you are mm-hmm. created fresh, right? Right. Um, and whatever new body new soul here yeah, you go. whatever you believe in soul mind whatever um, and this walk in soul theory um, you are created and through science you're able to mm. install as if it was like a, a computer right. program into this body um, a new consciousness hmm. what he, a bizarre thing to request of your father yes I'm I'm shocked that his father wasn't like why <laughs> Yeah, I want to be applying the wall for that conversation. Why okay. Do you want this? This sounds, I'll get on that. How sounds, old would he have been in 1964 when he's making this weird request? He was in his mid 20s during during the Philadelphia experiment. Okay. All right. World okay. War II. So he's okay. So weird. I know. He also suggested later that uh, in 83 an accident happened and that caused him to begin aging rapidly. Hmm. So. When he was through the wormhole yes. into 83. So, yeah. okay. so side effects from, from the experiment um, matched with an accident that was never disclosed what the accident was, mm-hmm. um, has caused something to... to Rapidly. To, rapidly. Okay. Which I think is really interesting because it reminds me of what they did in Captain America, the comic, a couple mm. years back. And the comic Captain America a few years back, um, Steve Rogers got his super soldier serum removed from him mm-hmm. and he began to age rapidly to what he should be in modern day, which I think is really fascinating um, in that case. Mm -hmm. So the thing that made him special left his body. Right. And I think that's very similar to To what's happening here. here. The thing that was happening, whatever chemical um, uh, phenomena happened while traveling through this wormhole, that's kind of what what does it. Um, Bialik stories begin to start circulating. And gets attention of Preston Nichols, who would then befriend Bielik and tell the Cameron brothers his own story. In the Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, Nichols writes of his time working at Camp Hero on the secret experiments. Specifically, during the 1970s, he claimed that he'd work with Bialik on something called the Montauk Chair, a piece of furniture that can use electromagnetics to amplify psychic powers. Duncan Cameron, the walking soul version, born in 63, mm. was born to have psychic powers and became the focus of many of the Montauk chair experiments. Apparently, Duncan could manifest objects by thinking about them while he's sitting in the chair. Huh. So all the things that you can traditionally think of a psychic, um, while being in this fancy chair, he was able to, to, to inhabit them. 
Um, we're going to talk about some of these cool experiments in a bit. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to get into some of the experiments that they did. Yeah, please. I, um, I have... Because it's only going to get weirder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll be back in just a few minutes. kids um last we spoke um duncan who was the walk-in version child version born in 1963 um became the focus of many montauk experiments he would sit in this montauk chair that was made by the author of montauk project experiments in time preston nichols um Mm -hmm. before i get into the the experiments you're probably asking yourself where was the site that that was all happening? Like, were people like, "Hey, what's going on over there?" Yeah, it's got to it's got to be pretty big. The Long, I imagine. The Long like, Island Lucky Lose. <laughs> what's going on over there? Hey, the Great Gatsby. The building. Jay Gatsby. Like, what's going on over there? I don't think it's the same section. Is it? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no. Not but at that's all. Fine. <laughs> that's fine. So work began at the Brookhaven National Laboratory on Long Island, New York, under the name Phoenix Project. But it was soon realized that the project required a large radar dish and installing one at Brookhaven would compromise the security of the project. Hmm. So like randomly a, a, a big radar dish shows up at the Brookhaven lab. Um, people are like, why, why is that happening? It's a laboratory. Why is there a huge dish? But the, the Montauk people aren't going to be like, Hey, what's weird, but you know, what's going on? No, because luckily the U S air force already had a decommissioned base at Montauk, New York, mm. not far from Brookhaven, which had a complete semi-automatic ground environment, radar installation okay, or convenient. sage. So yeah, it already exists. So the site was large and remote. Montauk wasn't really the tourist attraction yet. People okay. in the early sixties weren't using that as a, a, as a place to go. It's, you know, Long Island in general at this time is still, um, lit kind of like, Pairing off of the Long Island of the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, yeah. you know, it's not people live there, people have their summer homes there, but it's not like the normal everyday person isn't going out to Montauk right. on the weekends. Um, just Interesting. You know, so it wasn't huge, and so in addition, um, there was a lot of water access. Obviously, Montauk's at the mm-hmm. tip of the island allows the equipment to be moved in and out undetected. Convenient. Very convenient. Um, equipment was moved to Camp Hero at the Montauk base. Montauk base. In the late 1960s, and installed in an underground bunker beneath the base. According I love a bunker. To, right. According to the conspiracy theorists. And here's the thing, you guys. This is what this show's about, right? So a lot of this is is hearsay. And we're going to talk more about this book and a lot of the other theories that come out of this book. Mm. And why, um, you know, there's issues with it in general. But this idea of the Montauk Project isn't born out of this one book. It, mm. it, it's something that conspiracy theorists have been talking about for a while. Right. And this is the first time it's being put to paper, really. Okay, yeah. Um, so according to the uh, conspiracy theorists, to mask the nature of the project, the site was closed in 1969 and donated as a wildlife refuge park with the provision that everything underground will remain the property of the U.S. Air Force. Oh. Although, in reality, the base remained in operation to the 80s. So they lied. Oh. They're like, this is all nothing happening. So you can use you up, up, up there as a as a 
resource for wildlife refuge. Uh, you just can't use anything below. That's all ours. Just, you know, don't touch right. that stuff. Um, but that's because they didn't want people down there because they were still doing it. It was right. an active base through the 80s. Huh. Experiments in the chair, the Montauk chair. Oh, yes. I know. It took us on a little bit of a tinge. I want right. to, to, to situate us a little better. Um, the first experiment was called the seeing eye. With a lock of a person's hair or an other appropriate object in his hand, Duncan um, could concentrate on a person and be able to see as if he was actually seeing through their eyes, hearing through their ears, and feeling through their body. Hmm. He could see um, through other people anywhere on the planet, in theory. As long as he has their hair. As long as he has a piece of them in some way. So Ugh. so hair, maybe skin follicle, hmm. I don't know. Um Nichols continued to experiment with Duncan, who was such a powerful psychic that no one suspected that he was a man from a distant past inserted into a new body. I know. I said that sentence. Oh. And I said, Adam, what are you doing here? It makes my brain hurt. What are you doing here? But, you know, kids, it's the mystery machine. We're trying to talk about these mysteries. Didn't say it was going to be easy. Didn't say it was going to be easy. Um, he tried to harness his adept subject's powers into the Montauk chair to conduct mind control experiments using a special radio dishes at Camp Hero. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where uh, other folks come in. Mm. As you know, you're someone who, who watches Stranger Things. I do. There's um, a bunch of kids, a yes. bunch of experiments, and they come with a few numbers. <gasps> Well, in his book, Nichols writes of other boys being brought in and experimented on. Some were sent through a portal into the unknown of space-time. And just released? Stranger Things uh, lifts this theory. The name Eleven suggests that there were likely ten other subjects. In Nichols' book, um, these abductees are known as the Montauk Boys. Also, great gang and or band. (laughs) And, hey, name, I called it. and since Nichols and Bialik started speaking about their regained memories, other Long Island men have rediscovered that they were frequently abducted from their homes by camp hero scientists who wanted to break them psychologically so they could implant subconscious commands. Ooh. So... Subconscious commands. We're like getting to Manchurian candidate territory yes. too. Uh, and in addition, like we're, 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 we're back to where we were a little bit last week. Where yeah. Abductions. People are just being taken out of their homes. But in general, they're taking kids from their homes to do this. They moved to kids because originally homeless people were abducted and subjected to huge amounts of electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation. Very few survived. I wonder why. Yeah, go figure. God. So they figured that perhaps the homeless people, uh, being their age as adults, may not make them the best specimens for this. Mm. So they moved on to children who were younger, more virile, I suppose, uh, and able to handle um, these tests. Yeah. Yeah. After several years of experimenting with Duncan in the Montauk chair, Nichols claims that they could reliably travel to other places and times, even to Mars. Eventually, they were able to program Duncan with some basic commands so that the poor kid didn't need to be confined to the chair all the time. So the goal was to allow the chair to harness the power um, and then almost be able to make Duncan a conduit without being attached to it. Okay, okay. Yeah. 
I know your brain starts to hurt a little bit. Yeah. And I also feel like to, to what end? What is the transferable skill we're after here? Mm. At one point, Nichols, Nichols' superiors told him to turn on the Montauk chair and leave it running through August 12th, 1983. Hmm. As the story goes, by having another time travel machine switched on, the Montauk Project successfully created a time wormhole to 1943 with power at both ends. That is how Ed and Duncan Cameron in 1943 came through the portal, and that event is described by Al Bialik. So... Who's really Edward? Yeah, but but that's the thing, or a time, right? You know, we can spend a whole episode talking about the theories of time travel, right? Right. The, the, the one that I subscribe to uh-huh. is that um, if time travel is real, it already happened, right. right? So everything that happened is because the time travel that happened. Mm-hmm. So all this history I just took you through happened because in the future, this- they, they will have this chair and turn it on through the past. It's so crazy. My brain hurts. <laughs> but you guys hear it. You guys understand it, right? Right. It's it's I mean it's a circle. It's a circle. It's a chain it's a, of events that's yes. a circle. It it's just an, it just It's a loop, right? Right. And so the chair is created in the future so that the past can go to the future to create the chair. There it is. I got that was able to say it. That's how I was Chowza. able to say it. Um and that's kinda that's kind of the type of uh time travel I, I sign on to. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that, yeah, you the thing that happened created that thing. So in theory, if I went back in time Mm -hmm. and I did something in order to um, cause, you know, the Berlin Wall to fall, Mm -hmm. I did it already. That's why the Berlin Wall fell because I did that already. Right. My presence in the past didn't change the future. The future's already changed because of the past. Because you already did the thing, right. It's it's cyclical. Cyclical? Cyclical. Cyclical. Um, Nichols kept the Duncan of 1943 away from the 1963 version because, again, he went through the time hole. So at one point, there will be the same person in the same time. Was Duncan... Okay, so Duncan... Duncan only exists once. Yeah, so Edward... And the Duncan Cameron of 1943 came through the portal. And that is the events that Abielic describes. Right. And Duncan only exists. In one, at one point, he exists in two times at the same time. So the Duncan okay. of 1943 exists in the 1963 version. Because Edward said to his dad, go make a sibling. Yes. I got some memories to download. I know, my brain hurts. Everything hurts And me. so then he makes Duncan. They travel normally through the passage of time and Duncan grows up. Yeah. My brain hurts. I researched and my brain hurt. I took a break from researching my brain hurt. <laughs> I'm reading and, and explaining and talking to you on the air and my brain hurts. Okay. Um, he realized that, again, Nichols kept Duncan 43 away from Duncan 63. Um, That's helpful. Thank you. (laughs) But he quickly realized that the time travel was way too complex and far too dangerous to be messing around with it. He and the three colleagues hatched a plan to use Duncan to shut down the project entirely. Mm. Uh, This is from the book, The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. Quote, we finally decided we'd had enough of the whole experiment. The contingency program was activated by someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair and simply whispering, quote, the time is now. 
At this moment, he let loose a monster from his subconscious. And the transmitter actually portrayed a hairy monster. Mm. It was big. It was hairy, hungry, and nasty. It didn't appear underground at the null point. It showed up somewhere on the base. It would eat anything it can find, and it smashed everything in sight. Several different people saw it, but almost everyone described it as a different beast. So basically... His ability became so powerful right. that he it turned not into just um, looking through people's eyes, right. um, uh, uh, picking things up. He was able to start to manifest things into right. reality, to create In- reality. Including a hideous beast of a kind. Um, Nichols had to then smash all the equipment that powered the Montauk chair before the beast disappeared back into nothingness. That incident, plus a successful time anchor that was built between August 12, 1943 and August 12, 1983, ensured that the project would be shuttered. Employees were then brainwashed, and in 1984, the lower levels of the base were filled with, filled with cement. Mm. The bulk of the Montauk project is set around the same time as Stranger Things, mm-hmm. but true believers, like Nichols and Bialik, up until he passed away in 2011... Maintain that these experiments dealing with the expansion of the human conscious, human consciousness, and the future technology are still going on somewhere somehow. Right. In 2008, an unidentified carcass of an animal washed up on the shores of Long I- of a beach in Long Island. Oh. Adopting the label of the Montauk monster from oh. early 1990s. Uh, from the early 1990s version, Cameron created is known to be Junior now. Mm-hmm. Urban explorers still venture into Camp Hero on Long Island, where they claim to you can still hear the screams and the abandoned tuttles. Um, sporadic uh, reports that the closed base still draws military level power despite being inactive persists. Um, basically, if you look on a power grid at it, that base, it's still very much lit. Um, what's the official explanation for that? There is none. They say it's not lit. I mean, that's the explanation. There is four lights. <laughs> They're like, no, just read oh. what you're talking about. Um, gaslighting at its finest. That is gaslighting at its finest. Um, and the truth about Camp Hero and what happened there continues to be concealed beneath multiple layers of rumor, myth, and the fiction of Stranger Things. Yowza. So here's the situation, though, about this book. So now okay. th- this book exists, and many people have wanted it to be placed in the fiction section. Mm-hmm. However, he never allowed it to be. Okay. It was never said that this book was fiction. It's always been treated as nonfiction. Right. Because um, there were other experiments discussed in the book of, and the book series. So the book also had a subsequent series of other books that come out past okay. it. The majority of what we spoke about today all comes from that first book. Okay. The biggest pieces of it. But you know what happens? Like, most books and like when you, you catch some fire people are like all right, let's talk about some other stuff so yeah the problem is this all could be real mm-hmm. but then the grandeur starts to build up right and then we get some of these um theories that were proposed in this book i'm ready uh experiments discussed in the book other books of the series include that filmmakers were brought to the facility to begin work on a project that will culminate in the moon landing hulk hoax Military personnel in charge were, in fact, uh, cultists who mm. built a 50-foot uh, ziggurat or step pyramid out of titanium for some esoteric reason. Okay. 
Early work on inventing the internet and its implementation were undertaken there. Hmm. Nazi scientists from Operation Paperclip were involved in some of the experiments. Interesting X-Files episode as well. Oh, yeah. Should do a link there. Um, <laughs> experimental flying saucer aircraft prototypes were created there and shipped to other secret bases for testing. Bioengineering uh, projects undertaken and eventually created the New Jersey Devil. Oh. Uh, black helicopters were manufactured and flown there. Nikola Tesla, whose death was faked in a conspiracy, was the chief director of operations at the base. Hmm. Mass psychological experiments such as the use of enormous subliminal message projects and the creation of a Men in Black Corp Hmm. um, to confuse and frighten the public was invented there. Again, conspiracy theory is conspiracy theory. We don't know what's true. We don't know what's false. You know, all you can do is believe what you believe. Um, These humans... Um, had really deep recollections and were able to describe them in a book. The whispers of the Montauk Project aren't isolated to them. Mm. Um, today, I just gave you an account, the, the only real firsthand accounts of the actual projects that were happening at that right. base um, that's stretched from the 40s until the 80s until who right. knows now. I mean, honestly, could be happening still now. Right, right. So, okay, interesting. So, yeah, so there's a bunch of folks who have... Similar recollections. So if you think that's where the story ends, mm. it doesn't. Because okay. remember I spoke about them, them Montauk Boys. Yeah. The great band. The great band, the Montauk Boys. Um, there was some some chatter of the Montauk Boys as recent as October 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. The New York Post had an article come out where um, a man named Joe Lafreno uh who worked at the wild eastern tip of Long Island that's now called Camp Hero State Park. Uh, he worked there for 18 years, and he says that, yes, um, it is exactly what inspired uh, Stranger Things. Hmm. He told the Post, quote, it's a place that dominated my life and my nightmares. Historian Henry Osmers laments that the conspiracy theories have brought so many people um to the spot right mm-hmm. people are looking over no uh, over and over again and they ignore the official history of the area because mm. the official history of the area dates back to the revolutionary war um however instead they just talk about this um that post article quotes uh, a local named paul fagan i know paul fagan it's not this paul fagan ah but he spent 14 years exploring Camp David. Uh, Camp David. He spent 14 <laughs> years exploring Camp Hero and painstakingly researching the government documents found at the National Archives in Manhattan. He told the Post that there may be a nuclear reactor secretly buried at the site, installed around 1958 as part of a Cold War era Army nuclear power program. Hmm. He suspects that the conspiracy theories about Camp Hero may have been planted to deflect from a possible reactor. So oh. he says that all this stuff. Is BS bells and whistles and covering, and, yeah. But in the same article, again, Lafreno, right? He comes out. He's fifty-three years old. He grew up in Montauk, and um, he works as a park employee at Camp Hero. Camp Hero. He believes that he is one of the Montauk boys. Oh. Uh, he told the Post, "Quote: I didn't believe it until two years ago." I was hypnotized by a certified hypnotist for about 40 minutes and all these memories flooded back. Regression hypnosis. They did a very bad thing to us out there. We were just little kids. They had no right to experiment on us. It was very dark, 
very evil thing. He believes he was abducted um, sometime during the summer of 1980 uh, and also possibly the summer of 81 when he was 12 or 13. He recalls being under hypnosis and that a local boy who no one knew, uh, who no one really knew, invited him to bite to the base. So in theory, um, the people working at the Montauk Project were sending um, kids to attract other kids. Oh. Yeah. Dark. Um, the first time uh, he was there, he said there was two men in waiting dressed in civilian clothes, and they ushered the boys into a sunken house on the base. Uh, later, he said he and the other boys were brought to an underground uh, through Battery 113, one of the sealed gunneries uh, left from World War II. He remembers lying on a table with wires coming out of him like electrodes. Uh, he said, quote, they analyzed us like animals. Mm. There had to be 50 kids there, and he believes that some were later killed. Ooh. Um, he also said that while under hypnosis, he went uh, to a location he remembered with another park employee, uh, Charlie, who also was interviewed by the Post. They found that the remnants of the sunken house from the vision. He said, quote, if we had a backhoe and my boss let me dig in that spot, which I know he wouldn't, I can guarantee we'd find cement structures down there. Um, filmmaker Christopher Garitano, who grew up in Montauk, made the 2014 documentary Montauk Chronicles. Uh, it details the allegations of the three men we spoke about earlier, Nichols, Bialik, and a third, Stuart Swerdlow, who said that they were brainwashed and forced against their will to take part in the experiment at Camp Hero between 71 and 83. Now this um, kind of like combats the the stories that we heard because in this telling, um, they were told that Bielik and Nichols were brainwashed and forced against their will. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, as we heard early in the story, there's a little bit of a, of a gray area in, in what was forced upon them, right. what was brainwashed. and It's fascinating because I feel like this comes up a little bit with the aliens from last week too, which is that there's a lot of possibility for misdirection, right? The idea that um, wild red herrings can be useful to cover up real shady shit that's going on, but that's just different. Um, and so that sort of murky question I find fascinating. Yeah, I think that's that's such a valid point, right? Like if something's really bad's happening there, um, wasn't that people just won't won't know, mm -hmm. won't believe. Right. Um, would you believe that there is another article that's even more recent? More recent than October 2020? March 29th, 2021. Okay, all right. It's reported in the Charger Bulletin, uh, all the events that we described today. Uh, it talks about uh, the Montauk Boys, and it is keeping the memory of this alive. Wow. Um, it's just basically an article talking about it, but as recent as this past March. So yeah, so you know, it's something that's still being talked about. Um, yeah. I agree. I think there's there's theories. I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's you know the point of the show, right? We talk about these mysteries right. and we don't always solve still them. Still a mystery, still a question mark. Um, yeah. Good lord, that's a lot. I know, but you know, it it it. it it opens the channels of a lot of interesting things. Yeah. It lets us, you know, in on the fact that a lot of these things that we've talked about in science fiction could be very real mm -hmm. um, or it could all be bullshit. And the U.S. government has done a lot of really shitty, fucked up stuff. Yeah. Um, 
covertly to unwilling populations. Um, so it it's also very within the realm of possibility to you know it's it 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 makes sense to me that yes of course this is something that the government would do yeah so that's that's it folks that's the montauk project you can read i'll I'll throw some links in the show notes and in social media i'll be showing pictures of the base as it is today and was and as it was um and as always um Keep the conversation going. You know where to find us. You know where to find us. Um, you like, you subscribe, you rate, you review on the iTunes. You head on over to the New York Mystery Machine on iTunes and drop us those five stars and tell us uh, what you love about this show. Hopefully a bunch of things. Right. Send us your pictures of yourself standing in Camp Hero Na- National Park, something park. Yeah. And if you have stories, and like this is a continuing thing I'll always say to people who, who live in New York, who lived in New York. Um, if any of the things uh, we speak about on the show are relative to you, we have an email. Um, that's nymysterymachine at gmail.com. Send us an email. Um, if it's something that you want to be interested in talking about on the show or just giving us information so we could talk on a show, um, on a later show, um, when we when we rehash some of these things. Send it our way. We would love to do that. Send it our way. Follow us on the social medias at um, new NY Mystery Machine on Instagram and Facebook and at NY Mysteries on the Twitter. We'll be back next week, right, Christina? Yes, we will. We got some fun stuff. You're leading our conversation next week. It's going to be a doozy. I'm going to tell you nothing about it, though. Good. I don't want to know nothing until, be I, surprised. Sit, until I sit down. It's going to be great. Well, hope you're having a, a wonderful um, July day or whenever you're re- listening to this. Right. Could be December. It could be December. Who knows? Have a great day, though. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.